This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. What's happening, man? I ain't seen you in forever. I know. I know. I've been on the road, man. I've been uh, scouting and camping. And- well, every time, again, I'm not a big Instagram guy. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm on vacation. And I notice you uh, out on the lake, man. I am on the lake when I'm not uh, on the road. Boat that looks is the good. place to be. My vintage boat's running well. The rig looks good. The rig looks good. So, uh, no, it's been good. I've actually, to be honest the better with you. better half is running the show. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Management yeah. has been good to labor lately. So that that's good. That's you know, good. You know, management being good to labor is very important. Yes, it is. It, it is very important. And I be, labor has behaved himself. So oh. uh, doing well. And you know what? It's, it's interesting. I was... Um, so my son, who's about to be a junior, all right, he's I can't a believe that. I know a twenty twenty four class kid, three star, four star. Uh, what, do you, what do you got him in the ESPN? He's actually rankings? a four star long snapper for real. And well, you act like I'm kidding around with that. Well, you, I mean, you, you are the you are the recruiting expert. Yeah, you give but, stars and all that stuff. I mean, we're going to get into recruiting later on. Believe it or not. Well, right now he's about a two. All right, as a an, two as an every down player. Oh, this is where management takes a hold of labor and no, by the throat. Where, this is where management and labor have come to an agreement <laughs> on reality. That, that's where we're at right now. But, you know, I, I hate when that happens. I, you know, I, have, I spend so much of, obviously, my time, you know, tracking whether it's a 2024 or 20. Now it's 2025 and 2026. That's I can't scary. believe I'm saying that. And then the 2023 class is the current class. But I'm on the road. I'm at a camp. I'm at a combine. Whatever it is. But I've been able to spend the last three weeks actually taking him to camps. Um, we went and uh, snapped at Wake Forest uh, last week, went to App State, uh, Gardner-Webb down the road here, Eastern Kentucky, went to some different places. And it makes you realize as a father, no matter what your job is, like I, I, I sat back one day and I'm like, I'm spending all my time evaluating everybody else's kids. And I don't have much opportunity because of our jobs in the fall, right? I mean, we're, if you're broadcasting games, you're going from a Thursday to a Sunday, and that's it every weekend. I've right. seen two of his games. Two, right? So to have some opportunity this summer has been good to go around and do How's stuff. How's he handling it? Does he like it? Does he like the process? I mean, I know he you does. talk to kids all the time. Again, yeah. that, you hear that. Some folks love it. Right. Some families are totally involved. Some guys are like, hey, I just want to make my decision and be done with all this nonsense. I want him to be happy. Right, and I want him right, to be, with that said, yeah, and I want to know why, but honestly, like I want him to be a kid. Like, you know, all of this talk this last week about Arch Manning and everything. Well, the who, best who is thing, that? Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, the best thing about Arch Manning's decision, I don't care where it it's is. It's over. It's he can go back to being a kid, right. go enjoy being a senior and have fun with your teammates and go through that whole process. It's going to happen once in your life. Right. So I, I think the biggest thing, you know, when you, when you look at it through the eyes of a father and your son, you're like, listen, number one, are you enjoying it? And are you happy? Do you love it? And what are your what are your ultimate goals? How can you achieve them? And I tell parents of prospects this and prospects themselves all the time. The most difficult thing to do in recruiting is to look in the mirror and have to admit to yourself, what is your talent level? Because you may want to go to Clemson. You may want to go to Ohio State, but you are an FCS caliber talent. And that's fine. But once you can make that and be true to yourself. You will you yeah. will end up making better decisions and you'll start targeting programs that actually want to recruit you, right. right? That's the one thing that fortunately he's been able to resign himself to of knowing, okay, if I go down this path as a long snapper, I got a chance at this level. If it's an every down player and I want to do that, it's probably going to be this level. So 
you know, yeah, it's a lot like that in golf, Tom. It's funny you say that because when you were describing that, it reminds me when I was growing up playing golf. I mean, I'm going to be the next fill, you know, whether, yeah. whatever the arrow was. Yeah. I'm going to be the next Tiger Woods, except, and all of a sudden you find yourself in the woods. You're like, well, Tiger would have hit this shot left to right under the branch, and then you try it, like, <laughs> and you realize instantly, I should have just chipped out, made my six, and got on the next hole. Right, I understand, yeah. I'm not a scratch golfer. I'm trying to break eighty. It's yeah. the same process it, you're going. It through. is. It's the exact same thing, and and it's incredibly fun you know I'm, I'm sitting here i'm looking at, at, at my laptop here and if we get into the topic of conversation and, and i just pulled up the 2023 class and there's 4700 kids in my database right now wow now when it's all said and done by the time we get to next december or february or what have you i'll probably we'll probably have about 2800 of those kids actually evaluated between 22 to 2700 will actually sign but it just it they can't all they can't all go to Clemson, right? They right. can't all go to NC State. They can't right. they can't all go to Miami or Florida State. And that's why there's different levels of college football. When you travel around with your son, mm-hmm. have you saw have you seen any kids that, that you went, son of a gun? I, that kid's a lot better. I mean, was there somebody that you had already evaluated that you saw in person that's changed your mind? Oh, it happens all the time. All the time. Oh, it happens all the time because you know, that's the the one thing that's so unique about football in comparison to, let's just say basketball. If a, a player plays basketball with his high school team in the winter, and then he goes and plays in AAU in the summer, the game doesn't change. He's playing the same game. The problem in football is you can't duplicate football from the fall and then go in the spring and see these kids play football. They're not playing football. They're in shirts and shorts, and they're running, hopping, skipping, jumping, and we're measuring hands and arm length, and we're we're doing broad jumps and 40s and 20-yard short shuttle, and then you're putting them through drills. And there's lots of kids that can look really, really good in drills. So I've actually seen it both ways a lot. You see a guy that shows up to a camp and combine setting, and he lights it up. You turn on his tape, and he can't play dead in a cowboy movie. So now you're sitting there going, All right, who well, is this yeah, guy? Well, what are we missing here? So it actually happens both ways. When so when that happens, that. from a, again, I, I, I am not a recruiting yeah. guy. That's why I always learn something when I'm talking to you with this. So when you've gone ahead and put the star for argument's sake, yeah. or your, whatever your sure. number, I mean, whatever your right. grading is, how do you how do you put you just go average? You say, hey, listen, his upside was a four on a five scale. When I saw him, he was a two on a five scale. I'm going to give him a three. Or how does that work? So there, there are so many components and variables go into it. So let's just take the measurable side of it. So, you know, what do you do? Let me rephrase this. Do you do a star deal or do you do a number deal? Both. Okay. But they're, they're integrated. The number deal is based off of what would be like a pro personnel model. All right. So let's just say we're going to say that a grade 90 to 100 is a five star and a grade, you know, 80 to, to 89 is a four star. Well, there's a difference between a high-end four-star and a low-end four-star, just like there's a difference between a low-end three-star and a high-end three-star. What I mean by that is there's going to be a bunch of three-stars that will go play in the MAC. There will be a lot of three-stars that will go play at NC State. There will be a lot of three-stars that will go play at Florida State or what have you. So what we've tried to do is there's that star range in there and then the high-end number and the low-end number. And then we try to place that number in there based off a set of critical factors, whether it be height, weight, speed, whatever it is, and then what you see on tape. Because there's a bunch of little pieces that go into this puzzle. You're trying to gather as many of them as you can to create the picture. The problem is when you're doing it with 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds, you're never going to have all the pieces. 
They're, Plus, they change physically. They change physically. And the hope is, um, and this is where, like, the job that Dave Clawson's done or the job that Dave Dorn has done and some of the, these guys that are at places where you have to identify and develop. Not all the guys you're going to get are going to come in and be ready to play for you right away. So you have to be able to somehow, some way, look at that kid and say, I think he is going to be X, Y, and Z three years from now. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, that guy's going to play for us right now. Because sometimes the guy that you say is going to play for you right now is the same guy at 22 that he was at 18. Yeah. And that's what you, that's ultimately what you're trying to avoid. So it's a long way around to answer the question that you asked. But it's you take all the different pieces of the puzzle and then try to formulate not only your numerical grade, because um, I'll, I'll tell you right now, like let, let's just talk about Texas for a, a moment. On average, there will be over 370 kids just in the state of Texas that will sign a national letter of intent to an FBS school. That's not counting FCS. That's not counting mm. Division Two, Division Three, nothing. And you start to look at where have been the problematic areas in, in, in that state for that particular program. And the answer is tapped out, finished products that are the same guy at 18 that they were at 15, and they're the same guy at 22 that they were at 18. The goal is to avoid that guy, but it's hard to do because there's so much pressure on you to sign the high-profile guy. And now you, you look at Baylor, you look at TCU, you look at Oklahoma State. How have all of those teams produced eight or nine win, 10 win, 11 win seasons when they're not going and getting the guy that's quote unquote supposedly the They get the developed kid that says, hey, I got a passion to play. Got a passion to play, and he's not tapped out. He's got a ways to go. Those are the guys that you got to try to target. The problem is you got to also navigate all the politics that go along with that because you're going to have boosters, alumni, and money backers, and power brokers, and they're all going to sit there and say, why aren't we signing this guy? Well, why aren't we signing this guy? Why are you signing that guy? That guy's not ranked high enough. Well, they don't know anything about it anyway. But all they know is what they see or what they perceive on the internet. Tom Luganbill says. Right. I mean, no, it's exactly right. Yeah. And so and, and that's the the part of it that is difficult is you're trying to you're trying to please a lot of masters and you're never going to be able to do that. And so, so the balance is the key, right? As, balance, if you're a head the coach. Is the key. Well, and, and think about that. You don't. I'm not a fan of the whole star label thing, but it's part of the industry. It's what fans they 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 see the star thing now. Well, the they star know is the easier about. than the number, right? Like they don't understand how you get to the number. They don't even understand what the number is, which is fine, and and and, and that's okay. Because you're telling me there's a big difference between a B plus and a B minus. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's still a four star. There's no question. Right. I mean, you could get you could get a B minus four star guy. He goes to Kansas. That guy might not even get offered by Oklahoma. All right, but he's still in that four-star range, and I, you know, the one thing that I try to remind folks of a lot, fans, because they always, they always want to, they want to tie into five-star, 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 right? Well, there's not as many five-stars as everybody thinks there is. If there's 2,800 kids in a class, all right, and there's 130 teams, the, there's, there's very, that is a very minute percentage of what a class actually is. So you start going through all these classes, and you look at an NC State, or you look at an Ohio State, and then you look at a Northwestern, or you look at a Purdue. Look at the middle and bottom third of those classes. They're three-star guys. Because there aren't, there aren't enough four-star guys. There's not enough five-star guys. Now, the goal is to get a bunch of those three-star guys to become five-star college players. And that's what happens through player development. Yeah, there you go. 
Well, there's the show. We're out of here. We're done. See you, bye. We're tapping out. We're going to just put this on a loop for the next three hours, and you'll be good to All go. Right. Uh, number for the show, by the way, is 844-SAY-ACCN. You always know we stream live on the ESPN app. Uh, we do have a couple guests today, assistant football coaches. That will be during the power hour. Uh, Kevin Johns from Duke and uh, John Rodzinski from Virginia. And both those gentlemen have a lot of work in front of them. They have Duke a lot of offense, work. Virginia defense. Yes, a lot of work. But I love the fact that you have head coaches that have no problem with their assistant coaches doing interviews. You don't find that very often. I think that's cool. That's what you find on our network. That's right. that, you, you do. There ain't no question. On our network. I, I'm telling you right now, you're, you're right. Kevin Johns, Rodzinski, they both have a lot of work to do. But when you have new coaches – that just went through an off-season program and just went through spring football and now are heading into the spring uh, or the summer workouts, you got a lot of information to glean from those guys because they've talked about evaluating. They spent all of their time trying to evaluate what they have in the barn. We're going to get into all that stuff. And and it's now official. The, the 21-22 college sports season is now officially over. Compliments of Ole Miss knocking off Oklahoma yesterday. Congratulations to the Rebels. Last team in the College World Series and the only one left standing. Now, you know, we want to talk about Cinderella stories. Right. This is what I keep talking about. The baseball tournament, in my opinion, is the hardest NCAA tournament to win. Ole Miss just proved it. But at the end of the day, Natty's team national championships for the year, because the year is now officially done. The Atlantic Coast Conference and the Big 12 end up at the top with seven apiece. The ACC, of course, NC State's women's cross-country team takes care of business. Notre Dame's fencing, Florida State's women's soccer, Clemson's men's soccer, North Carolina's women's lacrosse team, and Virginia picks up a pair of them with the men's tennis team and their swimming and diving. So congratulations to those seven individual teams. The ACC with seven national titles with the Big 12 tops on the list. Don't you want a fence? Don't you want? Don't I know? Have you done it though? I want I, no. But here's what I have done: I've put on the Notre Dame fencing national championship. Yes, mask. Yeah, with the Florida State track and field javelin. That might be a little unfair. Oh, it's not unfair when you've got the javelin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a really not unfair to you. That's a really cute uh, sword yeah. you got there. Watch this. There you go, Zorro. <laughs> yeah, damn, I win. <laughs> Well, what a great sport this is. And I'm fascinated by that. Like how, how the scoring goes. Like I, I The only way you could top the javelin is if you bring bow and arrow. I think that that might be the only way out. That'd be a that'd or, be a good competition. Or Chief Osceola's spear. Flamed, of course. Flamed. On fire. Flamed, yeah, that's right. Yeah. In Fuego. Uh, so there you go. But congrats to all seven ACC yeah. teams that won national championships at the end of the day. Hey, it's all about hardware. Yeah. Right, so the ACC Big 12 end up with seven, big, uh, the SEC with six, and off to the races we go. All right, we got a lot going on. We'll take your phone calls wherever you want to go. We're going to do recruiting today. we do a little name, image, and likeness, a little transfer portal. we got some football news. You know how we do this thing. We roll all over the place. Tom Luganville in basement, filling in for West Durham. Uh, quick break. We'll come right back to you. Tom's going to fall off the chair. Number oh, is 844-SAY-ACCN. We come back entering the portal. Who's in? Who's out? There's still a bunch in. We'll describe it and uh, try to figure this whole thing out. It's coming up next. Packer and Durham right here on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Monday. Tom Luganville filling in for Wes. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Before we get to the transfer portal, though, uh, you've already stirred up the pot with recruiting. 
No surprise. Let me take a quick phone call here. Uh, Steve is in Maryland, and he is leading the way this week. Steve, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Steve. Hello, Steve. You mentioned your son being a long snapper. Did you gear him toward that? No. Um, in fact, I've done the exact opposite. I've actually kind of stayed away from anything football related so he can kind of take his own course. What ended up okay. happening was we were out in our driveway and we were just having a day of catch. And I noticed that he was goofing around with both of his hands. And so I put the ball in his hand and I had him take it over the top and just kind of spin it at me. And it was very natural for him. So I said, hey, turn around and do it like you were snapping. And he was in sixth grade and he had started playing uh, seventh grade football. And at that time he was the center. So he had been doing some shotgun snapping. So I, I kind of noticed, hey, he's got some talent at this. So... We got him involved in doing it, and for about two years he did it and was really good. He was very talented at it, pretty natural at it. And then 14 and 15 years old hit, and guess what long snapping isn't? It's not cool, right? Yeah, but dad is, right? That's got to count for something. No, not at that age. Not at that age. That's my daughter right now. Not not at that oh, age. Oh, she's <laughs> you, she she tapped that on you a long time ago. For, believe me, uh, as someone with two daughters, yeah. I when you hit thirteen, yeah. like dad becomes invisible. It's amazing yeah. how that yeah. works. And well, I think you know. And in, in, in getting back to it, now he's played his sophomore year. He's going into his junior year. He plays along the defensive front, and now the snapping thing's starting to become important again. And and I had, I just, the more I talked to him about it, I started realizing the more he's pushing back and I just let go and just let it be. And, and, and now we'll see, but I'm, I'm not kidding. That's the whole thing is they get to an age. Well, I don't want to be a long snapper, man. That's not cool. You're hanging over there with the kickers and the punters, man. And I'm like, well, let me tell you something. The bus doesn't leave without the long snapper, dude. Right. Does not leave. And, and what I've tried to, and I've said this to tight ends, linebackers uh, for years. I said, listen. If it's close in the recruiting process and they line up 10 of you and you long snap and the other nine guys don't, you win. You win. Period. So if you can kind of get that across to kids and they're going to gravitate towards it. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Plus, it becomes such a niche, hasn't it's it? It's a niche thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's craft. No doubt. But there's a true skill. And when you realize you don't have it, it's when you lose a game because of it. Oh, yeah. And that happens, oh, I don't know, every weekend. That's how App State lost to Miami last year. I mean, it happens every week. Yeah, that's right. All the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Speaking of all the time, uh, let's dive into the infamous transfer portal. Uh, when you look at the numbers, Tom, 48% of the freshmen, nearly 350 players mm-hmm. still in the portal. When you look at sophomores, 44% of them, nearly 200, still in the portal. You look at juniors, right? 43%, over mm-hmm. 200 players. Still in the portal. We've harped on this that, hey, there are folks that have the ability to get up and leave, which is beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the story that is not being told or how many that go, hey, I'm out of here, and yet there's no place to land. Oh, and there is a humongous number, which I just spewed. Yeah. Um, where are we going with this? 
Well, a couple of things that I want to point out about the numbers that you just mentioned, because I think this is very important to recognize, and I think it's the area that coaches have the biggest problem with. The biggest number that always jumps into the transfer portal is always the player that's been on campus for less than a calendar year. All right? They're always going to be the player that's the least mature, that's the most homesick, that doesn't know how to deal with adversity, that probably haven't been told many times that life's not fair, right? They get on campus. Now, all of a sudden, they're not the best guy anymore. And they have to work for it. And they have to earn it. And they have to compete for it. And that maybe hasn't been in their nature because they've always been the kid. It's either been catered to or been just flat out more talented than somebody else. And he's been told he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Next thing you know, there's a lot of loaves of bread. That's exactly right. He went from being a big fish in a small pond, and now he's a guppy in a big lake of other guppies. Right? So... I, I look at that number. That's the number that's most concerning to me. And I, nobody agrees with me on this. Well, I shouldn't say that. But the moment you say, you make the thing, this statement that I'm going to make, you're immediately anti-player, right? I'm not anti-player, but I am I am anti-competing. Like, if you're, if you're not going to be willing to come in and compete in battle, all right, and you think that you're going to jump in the transfer portal with no guarantee of another landing spot, and that you're going to be handed a job there, you are sorely mistaken. Yeah, somebody's gotten into your ear and given you some bad information. No question. So one of the things that I suggested is, okay, let's make a rule that unless you're on campus for two calendar years, you cannot transfer without sitting out. Now, you know, as soon as you make that statement, the counter is, oh, the coach decided he got a phone oh, call overnight yes. and he yeah. is gone. Yeah, I know. We're going to we're gonna equate 18-year-old kids to working professionals because that makes a lot of sense. Makes too. no sense. It, zero sense. So, again, I'm not anti-play. I'm just saying we, are, we have made a – we've created a pathway of ease. All right? We – Nobody, we're, we're not asking anybody to ballot. Kids aren't being told that it's going to be hard and it is going to be hard and that it's going to be tough and things may not go your way, right? And you're going to have to fight and battle and scrap. And you know what? If you do that, you might find out that things work out in your favor if you don't just bolt. So why not create some type of deterrent? I'm not saying you go, you'd get the one-time free transfer, but if you do it early... You have to sit out. You still get to transfer, but you'd have to sit out. Let's create some type of deterrent to where maybe the, the young man or woman, whoever it may be, sits back and says, okay, let me really start start looking at this. Because if, if I'm looking at it from a coach's perspective, we're trying to keep everybody happy, right? You can't keep everybody happy. Now, you can try it. Everybody says, we got to treat everybody the same. Well, no, you can't always do that, but you can't treat everybody fairly. Well, the number one best way to treat everybody fairly is through competition, and let your results through performance determine the outcome. Um, because, again, nothing is going to be handed to you. And, and I just and you will find out who really wants to compete. That's exactly right. Because let me tell you, it, it sounds good. You get all the perks, all that stuff. Everybody's, oh, I mean, he's great and whatever, or she's great. And you start to believe all that stuff. There's then no you find, you know, last week, Alonzo Highsmith was on with us. Yeah. And he's now the new GM at the University of Miami. He was awesome on the show because what he talked about was – hey, it's not fair for these kids at Miami mm-hmm. to hear about how great we were in the 80s when I played right. or you know, the Michael Irvin teams and all that stuff and what the t- team 20 years ago, which might have been the greatest collection of talent right. ever. It's not fair to these kids. Mm-hmm. However, 
the reason we were so good then is because we worked. And the only way Thank we're you. getting back to being is the you back mm -hmm. is you roll up your sleeves and you get after it. Yeah. And you know what? We're going to go outwork people. And if you don't have that mentality, and this is uh, that's why I loved him on the show last week because that's true whether we're talking about hosting a television show, playing for a college football team, mm -hmm. running the country. I don't care what it is. Yeah. You're an insurance agent. Hey, guess what? The only way you get in front mm -hmm. is to bust it. Yeah. to work and that goes right back to what you're talking about yeah. and you know what the difference between whether you're 70 years old and still wanting to compete in society or whether you're an 18 year old kid going hey i'm a freshman at college let me make a mark for myself you gotta work yes you have to work you have you, you have to work and i and I, you the the thing that you brought up which is so true because it goes back to who are you listening to who are your mentors who are your advisors what is the support structure around you you better start doing the math because when the music stops there are going to be a lot of chairs gone. Because, you're standing. And, and you're standing because... Now, listen. It's different for quarterbacks. It's different for pass rushers. It's different for offensive linemen. The positions that you can't find that are high-profile positions that somebody's always looking for to help improve their roster, I, I get that conversation because that player knows if he goes in, there's likely going to be a landing spot. You know how many wide receivers there are? You know how many safeties there are? Do you know how many linebackers and running backs that there are? They're everywhere. They're growing on trees. And so, and and what we've, we we kind of gloss over in all of this is the impact this has on those deciding to go into the transfer portal and whether it works out and how that then trickles down into recruiting. Because if, as a staff, we're saying we're going to withhold four or five, six scholarships maybe for the spring and then the summertime to see if we can better our program through the transfer portal. That's now a scholarship that's not going to a high school kid. Right. So the high school kid that's getting recruited needs to understand that they could be the transfer portal kid in two years. And start start navigating the landscape from a mathematical perspective. Because here's what's also happened. And I think this when we get into the transfer portal discussion of the windows in which you are able to enter the portal throughout the calendar year. One of those windows is going to be right after spring football. Because those kids are going to all see the writing on the wall. They're going to have gone through 15 days of practice, and they're going to know where they stand. And they're going to stay or leave. And then when they do, the market will get flooded with guys, and that's when those scholarships that aren't being used in December and February are going to be applied. Well, the windows should have been done day one, right? Before this thing ever got enacted. Right, because quite frankly, that's a benefit to not only the player, the coach, and the school. Yep. Quite frankly. I mean, there, there needed to be some restrictions that are not preventing you from going anywhere, but right. there's a time of the year that you should be able to make the move because that's beneficial to all parties involved, yeah. whether you have a landing spot or not. Yeah, and, and that's... That should have been done day one. That, I don't, I don't that's know how really not any. It. Yeah, but I mean, think about this. Nobody thought any of this through, and everybody's sitting there going, oh, well, there's unintended consequences. These aren't unintended consequences. Anybody with half a brain that saw this thing coming was looking at this from a number standpoint. Kids want to play. This is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, and kids want to play. Right. And like at the quarterback position, there's only one football, right? right? And, you know, it's just, you know, it used to be you got to college, everybody redshirted, right? Didn't matter how good you were, everybody redshirted. And then you and you stayed for four or five years. Then it became some unique, rare guys played as freshmen. And now, if you have a great player and he comes in your program and you don't play him, he's gone. I mean, he's gone. So you're you're... You're expected as a coaching staff to find all of these positions and all these open spots, and there aren't enough of them for as many guys as you yeah, have. You can't do it. You, you can't, can't keep everybody. You happy. can't do it, and then that leads to the number crunch. And that's thank goodness they came to 
some of their senses when it comes to eliminating the initial, initial counter rule for the next two seasons. I don't think that's enough. Eliminate it altogether. It's the dumbest thing. Let's just do simple math. Yeah, the number's 85. Number's 85. Be at it or below it. Who cares? Uh, initial counters, get rid of them. The transfer portal ruined the initial counter rule. And that was another thing, too. They dumped all this on. Not only did they not have transfer portal windows, they didn't give any of the programs any plan for how to navigate the initial counter thing. Say it all the time. If you're weak at the top, you're bound to fail. Yeah. And that's true regardless of we're talking about the NCAA or any other business for that matter. Uh, yep. You've got to think all this stuff out. And, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm not a recruiting guru. You're the guy here. But when I saw Bowman the other day who was a five-star running back. He's who had, done it twice. That's where I was going with you. That, you know, he committed to Clemson. Also, he got homesick. Whatever the what, – again, I'm not pointing the finger at yeah. anybody here. He decided, hey, i got to get back home, mm-hmm. right? And, again, he had some issues with his family, so he ends up going to the University of Florida. Yeah. You think, a oh, perfect fit, right? kind of player he is coming out of high school. Everybody wanted him. Mm-hmm. Florida would be able to utilize him. And I saw over the weekend, he, he decided to enter the transfer portal again. I'm like, man, some, at some point in time. wrong. At some point in time. Again, I don't know. If he knocked on the door right now, I wouldn't be able to spot him. Yeah. Right? But at some point, you know, this guy could be Joe Smith for all I know. Yeah. But at some point in time, you've got to make – it's your responsibility to make the right decision. <laughs> and then you've got to follow through. Yeah, well, you've got to be held accountable for your actions. There, there, there's no be. question. There's no question. And – but again, that's a very sensitive subject because now all of a sudden you're labeled as, as anti-player. It's not got nothing to do with rights. it. It has nothing to do with it in any way, shape, or form. What we're trying to do, I think a lot of this comes down, we're also trying to mold young people into young adults that are equipped to deal with things not going their way, deal with adversity, understand it's going to be hard. I mean, listen, being a scholarship athlete is a very unique, privileged position to be in. And there's there's over 1.2 million kids in high school playing high school football. Less than 6% of those kids will play at any level of college football. Do you want to know why? It's not just because it takes talent. It's hard. It's not for everybody. And you're going to get to a certain point where talent's not enough. You better have some of those other intangible factors that separate you from the next guy and the next guy. And if you don't have them, you will eventually fizzle out. I mean, that's... Just the nature of the beast. The system will weed you out. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, whether you like it or not is right. It's yeah. like us. Whether you like it or not, we're going to still be here till 10 a.m. this morning. Eight-four-four-say-ACCN <laughs> uh, is the number. We'll continue this conversation. We're going to take a deeper dive, too, into a little ACC football today. Again, a couple of assistant coaches later on in the Power Hour. We've got Tom Luganville. He's filling in for West Durham. Uh, when we come back, uh, we may take a little look at some coastal action for you. All right? Plus, the ACC has a couple teams that fit a bar bet. I will explain when we come back. Packer and Durham, it's a Monday. You guys right here on ACC Packer Network. and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. We are not the stars. Elvis. You hear Elvis? Uh, well, you see the stars of the show. They're sound asleep. One at uh, Tom's feet. Yeah, no kidding. And Chester, of course, on the uh, Roger Goodell chair. Somebody's sleeping through calisthenics. We may get to uh, movies later in the show since you and I both uh, hit on the fact that we saw Elvis. Yeah. Over the weekend. Yeah, Elvis. Top Gun Maverick. Both of them so are good. So far, it's a really, really nice kickoff to the uh, summer movies. Uh, four star. Four star movies. Four stars? Yeah. <laughs> 88.257 to the ninth power. I might give Top Gun Maverick a five-star. Really? We'll yeah. get to that later. All right. All right. I got a bar bet for everybody. Uh, the smart people up in Bristol, it's certainly not here in the basement, but the smart people in Bristol 
uh, came up with one over the weekend that uh, there's only been three teams since 2004. There's a bar bet. Three teams since 2004 in big boy football that have won their conference since joining a new league. Okay. Only three. But the cool thing is two of the three reside in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Virginia Tech and last year, Pittsburgh. Pitt. Do you know who the other one is? Utah. That would be correct. You know yep. why? Because it's on the screen. That's right. And Tom Luganville is a smart man. <laughs> Anybody who's got a Georgia Tech DNA could read the screen. Oh, boy. And there you go. Virginia Tech, Utah, and Pitt. Since joining their new Power 5 league back in 04, this is it. Virginia Tech, Utah, and Pitt. That is it. Everybody else, you got nothing. Donuts. Zero. Nada. Nunca. Now, now some of those, I mean, uh, you know, is... A Rutgers shocking, okay, is a maybe a, a West Virginia shocking or a Syracuse shocking. No. That zero next to Miami, when you look at how the ACC was first structured and That's formulated right. into divisions, it was set up for Florida State Miami every single year. I have said that on this show a hundred times. If I've said it once in three <laughs> yeah. years, that when that came up, you could bet a year's, I would have bet a year's salary in 04 if you said, listen, Miami's in. Yeah. And then keep in mind, 04, I mean, you are still living the dream of, hey, oh, yeah. we are Miami. Yeah. And you're not. Yeah. And Florida State, Bobby Bowden, you're thinking, we're going to get this Miami Florida State thing every single year in the ACC, unless, uh, you know, Clemson or North Carolina or NC State or somebody gets fired up and wants to do something about it. And here we are getting ready to jump into 2022, Tom. And we've never seen the game Ever. once. Zero. Miami's only been in one time. I know. And they were there for a cup of coffee. And, again, our buddy Mark Rick was the head coach, and they kicked a field goal to lose by five touchdowns to Clemson. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's amazing yeah. that Miami has not been a bigger factor in that deal. However, the good news is Mario Cristobal is in town. Uh, they got a big – we're going to get into uh, football recruiting. And even though I know it's not – nobody's officially signed. Yeah. It's all verbal. But you get a sense, and I know we've been down this road before, you get a sense, at least with Miami, from a financial commitment at the top. Keep talking about it at the top. It seems different right now at Miami. seems that way. Well, I think I said this to you either privately when the move was made. And maybe I said it on your program, too. But it's not just it's not just Mario. I, I think it's Dan Radakovich. No doubt. Because when you have leadership that is unapologetically going to say, athletics is driving this bus. Football is going to drive this bus. And there's the door. Here's the bus. You're either getting on the bus or you're going to go out the door. And I don't want to hear any complaining about it, right? And I and I look at how Clemson as a university with that mentality was transformed. Transformed. Because it's not just it's not just what it's done for the football program. It's what it's done for your other sports. It's trickle down. The community. And more importantly, academics. Commerce, academics. How about uh, admissions? No doubt. All right. How about enrollment? I mean, you've completely transformed the town because you invested in your single biggest revenue producer to ensure that everything else flourishes. The one thing I wish, I don't know how they can do it. Maybe they got to tear down some buildings or do something. Bring back the Orange Bowl. Just, or just something. Maybe do what something Louisville did early on. You know, a little thirty-eight to 40,000-seat stadium. Create a demand. Create a demand. You know, it doesn't have to be. I mean, you're sitting there looking at, I mean, how how do we have, and I know the answer to this, but it's just, 
How do we have an FAU? Have you ever seen their stadium? It's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. They have a stadium. And Miami doesn't have a stadium. I mean, that... Well, they, they've got the Hard Rock, but it's not really theirs. No. It, well, you're, exactly. you're a rental. And look you're where not it's an at. owner. Look where it's at. Right. You know, that's hard, that's hard on the program. But, you know, get back to the point I, I that, that you're making is they're going to be getting better. And, you know... I love his staff, don't you? I love I love the staff, but more important than the staff, I love the quarterback because the quarterback's going to make the staff look really, really good. No, I get that. But, I mean, yeah. I'm talking long-term as opposed to what sure. we're going to see in 22 yeah. or 23. I, I'm talking about, you know, from a, from a standpoint of, hey, here's how you build it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to have support at the top. You yeah. mentioned Dan Radakovich. Yeah. We've already seen his magic before. Sure. Uh, the school does have guys who yeah. can sit there and say, you know what, I'm in. Let's sure. go. You got to have that. Absolutely. I mean, if not, you're kind of fooling yourself. Uh, the, the only piece they don't have currently is what you mentioned is a, is a true home field. But I will tell you, their ballpark, mm-hmm. their stadium, when it's filled up, ready to roll, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But they've got to win to because Miami's different, yeah. right? The, the, the community's different. When they're winning, it's a great front running city. No doubt. We're talking about whether it's college sports, pro, pro sports, sports, whatever the case yeah. may be. Because there's a trillion things to do. It's such a beautiful yeah. place. I mean, yeah. so if you're not winning, hey, it's going to be 85 degrees here in December. Uh, guess where I'm going to go? Yeah. I'll catch you later. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we won the game. Oh, that's cool. Great. But they've got all the other boxes checked. But I love what Cristobal has done as far as the staff, because that is part of the magic. you got to have those guys. Well, that and they will be held to a very, very high standard because that is going to be a place where, and they might as well just give them the title, the, the head coach is the director of player personnel. The head coach is the director of recruiting, period. He's and, running the and whole And he likes it. Thing. Likes it. Loves it. You know, he, he lives in that world, and so... You know, to me, and, and, you know, you talk about signing off on the things that matter, whether it's resources, whether it's funding, you know, facilities, upgrades, what have you. I think the other thing is manpower and support staff. Yeah. Right. When you're looking at what an Alabama has in their building and how much manpower they have to accomplish the task. And you look at how some of these other staffs are structured. That's where I think the biggest investment and improvement needs to be had because, you know, Mario had that at, at Oregon. You know, he had resources at Oregon that were greater than those competitors in the Pac-12. And a lot of that comes down to manpower. You know, how much work can you actually get done? How many eyes can you get in different areas? Um, and I think if they if they have that improvement, they have that increase, that's going to play a huge, significant role. You mentioned TVD at quarterback. Uh, Wes and I went through a... a an exercise last week when we went through all these different things, all these variables that you want out of a quarterback, and you try to pick out of the ACC. This league is loaded, loaded at quarterback, right? There's nobody else close to having the quality right. depth as the ACC. And, Again, second year in a row. I know. Smart decision makers. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke didn't throw an interception in seven games. Didn't turn the ball over. I mean, think about it. You know how hard that is to do? I mean, you got to have a tipped ball or something get interested. You know what I'm saying? So then you've got the decision makers. you got Van Dyke. You've got Sam Hartman. you got Brandon Armstrong. you got Devin Leary. Um, I mean, the, the list goes Malik on. Malik Cunningham. Yeah, Malik Cunningham. Now, he's the one guy, though, that hasn't been as consistent as far as decision-making and accuracy, but, but he also has a ton of talent. I was going to say, but here's what he does have that nobody else in the league has, other than maybe the Jordan Travis. Some wheels. Hell, everybody's covered. Ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. 
catch you yeah. later. Come catch me if you can. Hey, yeah. You know, he can get up and go, and he is a nightmare for a defensive coordinator. That's why it's tough to play man defense against him because you, how do you account for the quarterback? If everybody's back, turned to the quarterback. He didn't like what he sees. And once he gets some space, yeah. he's gone. Oh, I know it. You're not going to catch him. I know it. Speaking of recruiting, they're they're landed on some folks right now. I know. We're yeah. going to get into recruiting. Believe it yeah. or not, we're going to get into recruiting later in the show. And right. I, I Keep in mind, nothing's signed till December. It's okay. all verbal, and you know how this world Long works. Long way to go. Crazy stuff happens. However, there's some really promising stories out of the ACC right now. Yeah. Would yeah. you not agree? Yeah, no, I, from, I would from, agree. from some sources that you normally don't hear from, which the, the, to me yes. is encouraging. And casting a wide net. You know, it's a Louisville. You're looking at California, getting down into Florida, getting down into Georgia. And and current uh, South Florida coach uh, Jeff Scott, former Clemson assistant coach, he, he used to say, he made a comment to me one time about recruiting. He goes, the problem is, is you get off to this start. He goes, it's like having a 500-pound Marlin on the line, but he's 500 yards away. Can you get him home? Right. Like, how do you get him home? And the farther away he is from you from a state proximity perspective, the harder it is. He becomes prey at some point in time. There's always a bigger fish. Chum in the water. That's what I always say, man. As soon as that big toe hits the water, you're the visiting visiting team. team. That's exactly what I'm talking about. But getting back real quickly to Miami. Do you get a sense, though, in 22 that they are now ready given the landscape of the ACC's Coastal Division, or do you think this is maybe a step and then we start running a year after? What do you think? I think it's a step, but it will be a big step. Um, I I think they're finally at least competent in the offensive line, which has been a struggle for them, but they got to come up with some targets. I think the quarterback can cure a lot of that. Uh, They're going to be good. The question is going to be how disciplined are they? Do they finish? Do they get caught up when things start going good and all of a sudden go on cruise control and then they get whacked? You know, they got to learn how to deal with hype and success. We've talked about that a lot with, with, with teams. And I think that's a, you know, there's a ton of talk about NC State. Last year, all the talk was about North Carolina. All right. Did North Carolina's spring game. I asked Mac Brown about that point blank. I said, you know, wh- when did you know that something might not have been right? He goes, going into August. It just all of the talk, all the adulation, all the pats on the back. We weren't ready for it. And well, they proved that at Lane Stadium. Yeah. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Opening and snap. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get a team, all right, and to Dabo's credit, to Nick Saban's credit, when you're getting your team to play their best football when everybody's telling them how good they are. Yeah. That's very difficult to do. No doubt. All right, yeah. quick break. We come back. We'll stay in the coastal. While we've got Miami on the brain, there are others. Are they ready to take another step? We'll get into all that stuff. We'll take phone calls, too, at 844-SAY-ACCN. Tom Luganville, he is filling in for West Durham. It's Packer and Durham right here on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Monday. Hope everybody had a good weekend. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. All right, we just talked about Miami a bit in the Coastal. Uh, I'm going to give you two other teams. How about Virginia and North Carolina? All right, Virginia, we got a new coach. Mac Brown, you just talked about a second ago. Uh, huge expectations a year ago, and it was one of those, oops, let's get back to the drawing board. Yeah. they got talent. We'll figure it out. Sure. Start with Virginia. Let's go for Wahoos first. Tony Elliott takes over. Great reputation. Terrific. Yeah. He's a perfect character fit yes. for the University of Virginia. For yes. everything the school stands for, what he stands for, what he represents, all of that is an A-plus hire. So A-plus. They're, they're losing all five up front, all right? 
for a quarterback that is very, very athletic. So I think that can buy them some time. They're instituting a new scheme. I know spring football in the summer is, is, is all about installation and all those sorts of things. I think they're going to be just fine offensively. I, I, I think this kid is so good. But they got we'll weapons, see. man. They got weapons. They're going to have to come up with some people up front. They have, they're going to have very, very little experience in that, in that regard. But this is a quarterback that it, when this guy didn't play, they didn't even look like a shell of themselves. But that's not... I think anywhere near where the concerns are. The concerns are on the defensive side of the football. They've right. got a lot of work to do there. Um, we're going to have Coach Rodzinski on uh, joining us later, and I'm going to be curious to know about what he feels in terms of when he saw them physically, what they look like on defense, and what they want to be in terms of what they want to recruit to. Because I had that game last year where Brendan Armstrong unfortunately didn't play against Notre Dame. But it wasn't that... Yeah, they had struggles offensively because he didn't play. But when you watch them on defense, they that's the area where I think they got to have the biggest investment, particularly in recruiting. Now, keep in mind, too, Rosinski comes from from Air Force. Yes. And it's not like Air Force is marching out with a bunch of five-star guys. No. Right? So he no. really had to X and O and figure out, kind of going back to what you Identify talked about. and develop. Three, yeah. So, I mean, you know, that may be the perfect fit for a guy that walks in and goes, okay, you're not going to give me five-star dudes? Fine. Right. I got no problem with that. Right. In fact, I'm really comfortable with that. If if we get one, great. If we don't, no problem. Let's figure this thing out. So I, I'm I'm kind of curious to see how he performs his magic yeah. given the hand that he's going to be dealt. Well, and especially too at a place like an Air Force or a Virginia or a Wake or Duke or what have you, and you're going to look at a certain kid, right? A style of kid, a type of kid that socially, academically, and athletically is going to fit a certain profile. He's used to doing that. He's used to going out and doing that. They've got to get longer on defense. They've got to get, when I say that, they lost probably their longest defensive lineman to North Carolina, ironically, along the along the defensive front. So, um, I but I love. I think I said this to you guys two years ago. It was, and I, I remember exactly when it was. It was watching Virginia with Brennan Armstrong at Clemson two years ago, and I remember saying, "Who is that dude?" I just there was there was something tough and gritty, um, athletic, and then all of a sudden he really started to blossom as a passer. He's got a savviness to him. He kind of understands how the game's played. No doubt. There's just something about that guy that uh, he's got a great feel for the position. And he's bigger than you think, yes, too. Yes, That's the other thing. When you stand beside him, like yeah. yeah. When you stand beside yeah. him, you kind of go, whoa, man. You watch this guy on TV, you're thinking, eh, 5'11", 6". No, no, no. That's a grown man yeah. that's running over you. Yeah, he's not – may not necessarily be as tall as you think, but I always say this. He may be on the shorter side, but he's not small. Right. He's not small. But everybody says he's Steve Young. He's different than Steve Young. He's a lefty and can run some. Right. But he does have a great feel and knack I think for he who's does open. too. Yeah, I think he's got a really nice – oftentimes those guys who have the ability to take off and run struggle to keep their eyes downfield and buy that second passing chance because the moment something you know crosses their, their line of sight and they see the front door open, they take it. Right. And I think he's done a really nice job of doing that at the last minute. I also think Virginia's uh, perimeter game is underrated. I, I think they got dudes, don't you? Yeah, they got dudes, and they've got length Size. and height. Yes. Now they are. Last year, you know, I, I thought they had so many explosive type plays, and then all of a sudden, when Brennan Armstrong wasn't playing, they couldn't get the ball vertical, couldn't get the ball downfield. Um, but when you have that type of size and you can go up and you can win the jump ball, they've, they've got those guys. And I, if they can get short up in the offensive line, 
um, as far as whoever they're going to end up playing with and can get into every matchup where at least they put the pressure on the other team to have to score 40, right? Then they got a chance in every, and probably in every outing that they're in because until that defense grows up or gets better players, they'll have some struggles on that side of the ball. We'll talk about North Carolina later on in the show. We're gonna, we got plenty of time to cover a bunch of stuff. Again, we're going to get into the name, image, and likeness and some more of the transfer portal and some recruiting. We'll take your phone calls. we got guests during the power hour. And uh, we'll take a deeper dive into ACC football and really the big picture of college football because we're only 61 days away from kick. It's getting here. I know we got, we got July 4th next week. Everybody be fired up and all that good stuff. And like I said, we get to mid-July. We get to media days. It's on. Yeah. As far as that's the way I look at it. Sure. It's football season. So yeah. we're 61 days away from kick. Uh, quick break. We'll come back. We'll take phone calls too at 844-SAY-ACCN. But when we return... Uh, a kind of a condensed best and worst of the weekend because, quite frankly, it's the end of the year. It's kind of quiet, but there were some things to discuss. We'll get into all that and your phone calls coming up next. Packer and Durham. Tom Luganville, filling in for Wes, you guys on ACC Network. Packer and Durham.